This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. We are continuing the series on the battlefield of the mind. And this is probably the sixth message in the series. And we've been tackling different aspects of the renewing of the mind. And uh, it's all online, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, so if you want to catch up, you can go to it. Today, we are getting to the business side of things. Okay, so it's the business side of things, it's taking things next level on the, in terms of renewing of the mind, um, but it's also probably going to challenge you a little bit. So that's why I called it the path to blessing, because if I called it what it is actually about, you probably wouldn't have come. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it challenges us to step outside of uh, the usual. So I'm speaking to believers today. So if you are really, really new to this Christian faith thing, sit back, chill, relax. I'm speaking to believers and I'm, I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you next level. Okay. And that's normally outside of our comfort zone. Amen. Cool. So let me pray and then I'm, we're going to get into it. Father. Thank you that your word does not return void. Thank you, Lord, that your word challenges us to come higher. Your word challenges us to change. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to cause the word of God to come alive. Jesus, we want to be like you. That's our mission in life, to be like you and to represent you well. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that that will be our living reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so when it comes to the renewing of the mind, and, and to give some quick, quick catch up, if you want to win in life, you need to win here. Okay? You need to win here. You need to win in your thought life. The way you think, if you win in your mindset, in the way that you think you're going to win in life, this is where the battle is in your mind. Okay, but today I want to give you a tool that will, like a catalyst that will help you to renew your mind like nothing else. It, it, it will help you to renew your mind and it will empower you, equip you to step into a place of blessing. So when, uh, in 2008, middle 2008, we were still living in Cape Town and we had no idea that by the end of 2008 we we're going to be in East London. No idea. So Sonica was pregnant. We just built a house. We were really happy. All our friends are there. I wasn't really fully in ministry. I was working at the church, but more administratively. And, uh, but we were like, man, we're pregnant. We, for, we, we're not going anywhere. We're not going to change anything. We, uh, we're happy with things as, it, as, as they are. So as we were driving from holiday back to Cape Town, I was driving the car, and the next moment I felt the presence of God just flooding the vehicle. So I was weeping with the presence of God. I was just crying as I sensed the tangible presence of God and also the voice of God speaking to me, saying, Andre, I'm going to transform you. You will not recognize yourselves, you and Sonica, Soon, And I was like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> I had no idea what God had planned. <laughs> I was just receiving the word of transformation. 
And as Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's what we've been talking about, transformation, about becoming all that God has called you to be. So I received that word and I wrote it down and I was like so excited uh, in terms of what I, I just felt God downloaded something into my spirit. And in the following few months, then the option for us to come to East London, it came onto the table. And I was like, I am actually not so keen. I'm comfortable. <laughs> so what, what I, I did, it looked very godly, but uh, I told Sonica, um, Sonica, if you don't have peace about this, we don't move. And I was hoping she's going to say, no, I'm pregnant. And we, da, 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 no ways. We're not moving. And then, wow. Then she was like, yeah, she feels it's God. I'm like, no. <laughs> but so as time progressed, I got really, really excited and really passionate about coming to East London and to, to in a sense, plant the church or take it forward. And we're so thankful. Transformation resulted. Because of one thing, we followed. We followed Jesus. So if you want to not only be blessed, but if you want to become like Jesus, you need to apply this one principle. Follow. Follow him wherever he leads, whatever he says to you, follow him. Because that is the catalyst for radical, significant life change. So we've been talking about different areas about mind renewal. We, with one message, I spoke about a renewal in the heart, that you need a heart renewal, which is like the spirit of your mind. The source of your mind needs to be pure and holy. So you need to deal with that aspect, your heart. And then we spoke about obviously the renewal of the mind. You need to change your way of thinking. Check your thinking, and then if it's negative, stop it, and then flip it into something good, and then strengthen it. Strengthen the truth in your life. The best way to strengthen the truth in your life is not only to think it, not only to say it, but to do it. Do it. Come on, say do it. It's a promotion for Nike today. Just do it. Just do it. Okay, so we, last week, Hink spoke about the power of our words, like framing our worlds through the words we speak. We need to agree with God, and that's another aspect. You need to say, you need to agree with God instead of speaking negative things over your life. Agree with what God is saying and speak life. So that's another key component. That was last week's message. But today, we're focusing on the strengthening, strengthening the truth in your life. And the best way to do it is to simply follow the Lord. Okay, so I want to unpack that today and show you why you need to follow the Lord. And then I'm going to give you three keys, three principles uh, to help you follow Jesus. Okay, so the quickest way to radical life change is just follow the Lord. And it might, for your, in your case, it might not be to plant a church. It might not be to go somewhere far, but it might be something that you need to do today. It might be something that God calls you to do this week. Something that he's calling you into to actually do it. Okay, so James 1, verse 21 to 22, our key verse for today. It says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. In other words, if you're doing stuff that's bad for you and everybody around you, stop it. That's basically what it's saying. Just, just stop it. And receive with meekness the implanted word. So receive the word of God into your heart. And into your mind, which is able to save your souls. 
Okay, so you receive the word of God into your being. It's going to save your soul. And then verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay, so now deception is not mind renewal. It is mind corruption. So what it's saying is, is that you can sit here every Sunday, you can hear 10,000 sermons, and you can even read the Word of God daily. But if you don't move beyond hearing it, which is good, it's good to hear it, it builds your faith, it strengthens you, encourages you, and, and, and you need to align your thinking with the Word of God, which is beautiful, but then you need to move one step further. Now, do it. Do it. Do it now. Obey the Word now. Otherwise, it leads to deception. It leads to the corruption of the mind. And I often see this. I interact with people that have been in church for years, and they've heard the messages, but they haven't done anything with it. They didn't respond. They didn't cry out to God and say, Lord, this needs to change in my life. And the result is a lack of fruit, a lack of growth, a lack of change. So you need to do it. You need to apply the word. Okay? So that's, otherwise it's not mind renewal, it's mind corruption. And the following few verses, verse 23, um, unpacks it a little bit further. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, into the word of God, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. There it comes in. Blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want God's fullness and his grace and his goodness to be poured out into your life? Yes, obviously we all want to be blessed. But sometimes we want shortcuts. We want like, oh, bless me. It doesn't matter how I live. No. <laughs> he loves you. No matter how you live, Jesus loves you. But he's always calling us higher. He says, become like me. Become like me. Align your life with my word and with my heart. This one will be blessed in what he does. So imagine you're at home and you're standing in front of the mirror and you're looking at your face and you see, oh, my hair is standing like, an event. Here he's standing, and then you just had a, a, ate a saucy burger, and the sauce is all over your face. There's like sauce everywhere. But when ladies cry with mascara, it's like it's, you see it. <laughs> so you're seeing this, you're looking into the mirror, and you see all that you need to change. And then you walk away, and you do nothing. And what, what's the result? You look like a fool. Okay, And it's the same way. It doesn't help that you look into the Word, you look into the mirror of God's Word, you, which reveals what we are like and who we are and what we need to change. It, it doesn't help that you listen to a message like this, but then you do nothing. You're going to ultimately look like a fool. Those who do not obey the Word of God are fools. They are deceived. They are confused. They miss out. You know? So you can't be super spiritual, yes, talk the talk, but you're not walking the walk. It's called hypocrisy. There's a disconnect. And that's what puts people off from church and from Christians more than anything else. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They talk, 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 but they're not living it. Okay, so you want to live it. If you want to be blessed, you need to live it. 
And I think that's one of the biggest traps of Western Christianity. There's a big emphasis on knowledge, and that's good. We need to have knowledge, but we have a very low emphasis on applying, on doing. And the result is deception. The result is corruption of the mind. So I would say we need less knowledge and we need to do more with what we know. Compared to knowing, knowing, knowing. Who cares if you know it, but you don't do something with it? What's the point of going through the whole process, you know, of renewing the mind, and I believe, and then you do squat. You don't, you don't do anything with what you've now, with, with, with what you've embraced. So you need to, you need to do it. So it's like reading something from the scriptures. Maybe you have a daily devotion. Maybe you have a, a reading plan and you're working through the Bible or a, a book in the Bible. I would strongly advise that. Do you have a reading plan? Like just to get into the word on a daily basis. That's going to bring significant change into your life. But now you could be reading your five verses and you tick it on your version Bible app and you're like, I am an amazing Christian. No, you're not yet. You need to take it one step further. What do I need to apply from what I've just read? What do I need to change in my life? I'm looking into the mirror. What do I need to change? So that is the key. If you want to move forward into the fullness of God, into the blessing of God, we need to begin to apply. And sometimes the applying is simply to pray about it. Sometimes, sometimes we think prayer isn't doing, prayer is doing something. Prayer is doing something. You need to move beyond prayer. But I said a few weeks ago, worry about nothing. Philippians 4, pray about everything. So you read it, but now do something with it. Pray it back to God. Say, Lord, I'm reading your word, and it's saying about the mirror. And Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Lord, convict me. Challenge me. I want to change. I want to become more like Jesus. Hey, you know that, huh? Our mission in life is to become more like Jesus. Who is like Jesus right now? 100%. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, no. <laughs> we still need to change. We still need to become like him. There still needs to be things changing in us, and that's not bad. That's beautiful. He's done everything for us, so we are in him. We have relationship with him, and now he's calling us higher. He's saying, now become a little bit more like me. If you want to be blessed, if you want to see God's kingdom come. So you can't just hear it and hear it and hear it, but you don't respond to it. Otherwise, we become indifferent to the word. It's like, oh, that was a nice message. It must be more than a nice message. It must be, what am I going to change right now in my life because of this message? Amen. You need to ask yourself that question. So for us as a church, our mission statement is together living out the fullness of Christ. That is our mission. It is not together listening to the word of God. (laughs) It's not together just gathering and then going on with life as usual. No, together as a community, as friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, together doing the will of God, living out the fullness of Christ. In other words, when people look at us, they must see Jesus. That means we need to do something. We need to live it out. Let's break out of hypocrisy. Let's let's break out of that disconnect and set our hearts on, Lord, I want to be a doer. I want to be a doer. You know, so to to sort of explain to you some the journey that connects with the renewing of the mind. Now, in my case, in in 2012, we started to pursue um, 
Specifically, I, I was convicted in, in the light of the things that my wife was struggling with in her physical body and insomnia and skin disease and so forth. I was moved to trust God to begin to heal people, but I had no history of healing or physical healing or people getting healed through prayer. And I was wrestling with this. So I was like, I was listening to messages about healing, guys who walk in it. I was reading the scriptures and the promises about what God was saying of all that he has won for us at the cross. And I, so I started to renew my mind that it is the will. Healing is still for today. And Jesus is the healer and he still wants to, to heal and set people free. And then I went beyond that. So I was renewing my mind. But then I started to declare. I made, de- I made declarations. Jesus, it is your will to heal. And when I pray for people, the kingdom comes. And when I lay hands on people, Jesus, you're going to heal them because you live on the inside of me. So I was making those declarations. I was like making those proclamations and I was moving forward. But now what if I stopped there? It would all be pointless unless I take it one step further. Let me now actually pray for somebody. Let me now actually step out and trust that Jesus is going to show up. And you know what? That fourth Step is the one that caused the biggest life change in me. Those moments when I prayed for people, we had meetings where God just showed up and basically blind eyes would open or deaf ears would open or someone would get up out of a wheelchair or Jesus would just show up and set somebody free. Like even like Cindy's testimony of this God encounter. Do you know who her life is changed? But my life is also changed. (laughs) Because I realized, wow, God, you're powerful and you're with me. You're with us. You're in our midst. You're still working the same things you did in the, as in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in the Gospels. Jesus, you have not changed. And that unlocks faith. That stirs you. And then you step out again. Okay, so that's just one example. But maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it could be something in your workplace. Maybe it could be in your, in your, in your marriage or, or as a family, as a dad or as a mom or as a businessman or a, as... as We all have a calling on our lives, something that Jesus is calling us into, but you have to contend for it. And then you have to step out and do it. And then when you see God shows up, when you you pray that prayer, and then Jesus shows up. You're like, yes. Like one of our pastor's wives, um, uh, Shofa Wellington, she had significant brain challenges over the last few weeks. A month or so, was in hospital, could die because of it. And uh, it's like blood clots on the brain type of thing. And she had to go, has to go to the whole year through chemotherapy and, uh, and, and losing her memory in a sense. And, and she's like 30-something, so uh, two little kids. So it's really challenging. So last week we had this pastor summit, and so I prayed for Nils. I just felt led to go pray for him. So I prayed for him, I laid hands on him, I prayed for, for his wife, but prayed for him. Like, and, and the presence of God was like, wow. It's like he was just crying, and I was like, wow, God is here. Anyway, so they went to the doctors now this last week. There's no trace of it in her brain. Hallelujah, give Jesus praise for that. No trace. She's healed. Now, I don't know actually if it happened at that moment. All I know is I stepped out, I prayed, I sensed the presence of God, and we've seen God do miracles from a distance. But what if I didn't step out? What if I didn't do something with it? If you want to be blessed, 
You need to follow Jesus. I mean, that's what Jesus did when he, when he called his disciples. He said to Peter and the other guys, follow me and I will make you. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But follow me and I will make you, I will form you. Were they sorted out? No, they were horrendous. Peter was shocking. There were so many issues. And I have found that the key to real life change is simply this. Just follow him. Don't wait until you're perfect and everything's sorted and now you feel, now I have confidence. You're going to wait until Jesus comes back. If you wait until you feel like it. And then, no, just follow him. Step out every day, every week. Follow him in Jesus' name. Okay, so follow. Come on, say follow. Follow. Do Be a doer of the word. Just go. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Okay, but how do we become followers? I want to give you a key to this. It's basically one thing. It's called passion. You need to be on fire on the inside. If you want to become a true doer of the word of God. So I'm going to give you three keys on how you can increase the fire on the inside. Increase the passion on the inside of you. So we have this powerful verse, Mark chapter 1 verse 15. This was Jesus' message. He came and he proclaimed, he came and revealed that the kingdom of God is at hand. Look at this, it says, Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. He said, the time is fulfilled. He's basically saying, the time is now. Jesus is saying, guys, good news. Five years from now, the kingdom will be at hand. He said, no, now the kingdom is at hand. He said, the time is fulfilled. And that, that word is still for us today. God is, avail- God is here right now. God has made everything available to us right now. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, all that which is that, that realm represents is available to us right now, is at hand. And then basically Jesus said, in the light of the kingdom, in the light of all that's available to you guys, the blessing, the peace, the joy, the healing, the freedom, in the light of all of this, he said they repent. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what does the word repent mean? It means change. Realign your life. Realign your heart. Realign your mind. Realign your thinking, your speaking, and your doing. Repent. It's one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Repent. Turn in the light of all that God has done for you. And in the light of your calling, in the light of your destiny, in the light of everybody whose lives depend upon you, repent, change, align your life with God's will and God's word. I'm so challenged by this. There's another, in the news now recently, a well-known preacher in America, in New York, that was caught out with moral failure and was fired Massive church, very influential church. I'm like, no. Breaks one's heart. But I, I, I realize again that my life, there's an urgency. There should be a focus. Because lives depend upon me. But in the same way, there are lives that depend upon you. Your spouse, your children, people at work, your neighbor, wherever you might find yourself. You have 
influence. And there are lives that depend upon you. That's why I hate it when my passion levels are a little bit below the usual. I want to be 110, 120%, on fire for the Messiah, ready that whenever the Lord says, I'm in, I'm ready to impact somebody's life. But I hate it when I'm 80%, 70%, God forbid, 50%. Then I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm just not, the heavens are bronze. I'm not hearing his voice. I'm, I'm just not there. I'm not even feeling like praying for somebody. But when I'm 110%, I'm like, I'm going to pray for somebody. <laughs> I'm going to make an opportunity to pray for somebody. I'm going to make an opportunity to share with somebody. There's so much at stake, people. There is so much at stake in the light of the kingdom of God that is at hand. Repent. Realign your life with God. There's this uh, classic riddle. They say five frogs were sitting on a log. Four decided to jump off. How many frogs are still sitting on the log? Five on the log, four decide to jump off. How many are still sitting on the log? (laughs) If you go to most church frogs, five. (laughs) We've heard it. Man, we're excited. We are intentional. We're going to jump. We're going to jump. We're not going to (laughs) jump. We're going to chill on this log. This is so fun. (laughs) So much fun. (laughs) You see, there's a difference between deciding and doing. We must be doers of the word. Doers of the word. Come on, say doer of the word. We need to be doers of the word if we want to be blessed. We need to be doers of the word if we want real, real transformation and mind renewal. You can't just sit and listen. You need to do something with what you hear. So how to follow, how to increase the fire. Three ways, three keys I want to share with you, how you can increase the fire in your heart, the passion in your life. More fire, number one, a lifestyle of repentance. A lifestyle, embrace a lifestyle of repentance. Repentance is not a swear, cuss word. Repentance is to align yourself with God. You see, your life is like um, a car driving in the trans sky, off-road. There are dongas, there, you know, that, that's life. Eh? Life happens. You're going off-road, you're hitting dongas and holes, potholes, and the result is your wheel alignment goes out and everything starts shaking. That, that, that's life. And so you and I need to like daily have a realignment. A daily, that morning, the time that you spent with God is like, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me how can I realign. My heart's been growing cold. God, how can I stir the fire again? Show me again. Jesus, I know your word says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus, you must be my everything. And and you don't feel like my everything right now. If I look at my lifestyle, if I look at how I spend my time, Jesus, forgive me. I need that fire. I need that passion again. This one probably the biggest challenge in Western Christianity is the lack of passion, the lack of fire, the lack of childlike passion for Jesus. Especially you go older. And as preachers, you know, we become professional at this thing. No, I must be like a child just loving Jesus. Every day, Jesus, I'm coming. Coming, Lord. Love you. Want to be with you. Want to be on fire for you, Jesus. So how's your fire levels? How's your passion? Are you on fire for the Messiah? Are you on fire? 
How do you get on fire? Repent. A lifestyle of repentance. A lifestyle of repentance. Look at this, Revelation 3 verse 19. The context is Jesus speaking to the church that was lukewarm. They weren't, they were, they were in the middle, not cold, not on fire, like in between. And Jesus like says, you're freaking me out. I can't do nothing with you. I'd rather have you be off track and you know you're off track, then we can work with you. But this in between, I read my five verses, but I'm not doing it. I'm not living it. That is a challenge to Jesus. And he says here in the message translation, the people I love, I call to account. It's like a loving dad challenging his child. Come on, up your game. You can do this. I call to account, prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. It's a loving dad. He wants to bless you. You want to be blessed? Obey his word. Do what he says. Up on your feet then. About face. Repent. About face. Turn from the negative bad stuff. Repent. And run after God. Run after God. Be zealous and repent. That's what the other translations say. Be zealous and repent. So a lifestyle of repentance. Every part of your being. Starting with your heart. Then moving to your thinking. What do I need to change in my thinking? Then moving to how you're speaking. What should I change in the way that I speak? Lord, forgive me. I am breaking people down when I, when Holy Spirit convict me when I do that. And then lastly, Lord, how should I change my behavior? How should I change the way I live? Lord, I want to realign my life with you. So how about asking this question every day? Lord, what do I need to realign? Just one thing, one at a time. He's not going to tell you everything that's going to completely freak you out. If you had to figure out how far off alignment you are, you will be surprised. So he's nice. He gives us one thing, maybe two things. Come on, change that. He's gentle with us. He loves you. So real repentance, real repentance looks like change in action, change in behavior. Okay, so repentance, embrace repentance as a lifestyle. You need to do it. You need to do it now. Okay, so here's an example of how this would play out in real life. Let's say it's a married man, and he's uh, out of alignment. A husband with a hard heart, which ultimately just looks like indifference. You don't care. That's a hard heart. And the man could, so the heart's out of, out of whack. The heart is, is uh, out of alignment. And then, you know, the man can be critical in his mind of his spouse. And he begins to despise her in his thoughts and speak negative things. I'm so irritated with her. And then he can start saying the bad stuff like you freak me out and I'm irritated with you and leave me alone. And, and then ultimately the result is neglect and not spending quality time and so forth. So how would that look like if there was a realignment, if there was repentance coming to this man's life? Well, it would start off something like this. Lord, forgive me. I realize that the issue is not with my wife. The issue is with me. My heart has gone cold. I've lost my passion, my love for my, for my wife. Lord, forgive me my indifference. Forgive me, God, for, for not loving her in the way that you want me to. And then, Lord, <laughs> then he changes, like, changes mindset. He can, like, then he moves into, so there's a heart change first, and then he can move into, Lord, I'm, he starts leading his heart through his words and his prayers, and he starts saying, Lord, I'm so thankful for my spouse. 
I'm so thankful, in my case, for my wife. And it's just say, Lord, I th- she, she does so much around the house and for the kids and for me. And she's giving her life to us. Lord, I'm so thankful for her. And then he starts speaking that over his wife. Say, honey, thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're investing. I, I, I just realized I have, I have been neglecting you. I've been, I've, I haven't realized how, how precious you are to me. And so he's getting his, his words uh, aligned as well. But words can be cheap, right? I'm sure all the ladies in the house would say, talk is cheap. It's easy to say, I love you. Show me. Show me you love me. Show me that you are willing to make sacrifices for me. Show me that you, by giving me undivided attention, as in our house, undivided attention. The phone is off. Looking into it as a man's worst nightmare. Phone is off. There are no distractions. And you have to look into your wife's eyes. And now you have to talk. Like, oh, <laughs> it is so awkward. <laughs> For most men. <laughs> but we need to work on it because that's love for your, for your partner. I love you. I'm going to give you undivided attention. And then I'm going to move beyond that. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get a card. And I'm going to write in that card. Like, and you call out to heaven. Jesus, help me now to say something that works. You know, and, 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 and you do something. And you show that you actually love. You see, you need to move beyond just being intentional. Like, honey, I told you on our wedding day I love you. I'll I'll tell you if I change my mind. That that doesn't work. You have to say it. In the same way, we have to say to God, God, I love you, Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful for all that you've done. I'm so thankful you are my everything. But then we have to move beyond the saying. We need to move into the doing. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. And that's what we need to move beyond just saying it, beyond just hearing it. We need to do it. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to do it. Come on, say it. I am a doer of the word of God. That is the key. So so that's step number one. If you want to up the fire, the passion in your life, embrace a lifestyle of repentance. Say you're sorry. And then move beyond. Real repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, and you do it again. My wife reminds me of that often. She preaches at me. Honey, that's not real repentance. Change in behavior. That's the key. I mean, that's how you know that someone met Jesus. They haven't only prayed the prayer here in the front, Lord, forgive me my sins. You see the life change. You see the willingness to obey God, even though it's uncomfortable. It's like, Jesus, you are now my king. You are my Lord. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. That's the taste of real salvation. More fire number two. Going to go quick. You need to be willing to do his will. You need to be willing to do his will. There are no off-limit areas. So Philippians 2, verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. So he's like commending them. Guys, you are obedient to the word of God. I am so, so proud of you. Then it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. Don't work for your salvation. Not for your salvation. You don't work for salvation, but you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And for me, that is just like, God, I don't want to miss you. 
I don't want to miss opportunities. I don't want to miss my destiny. If we didn't come in 2008, if we didn't come to East London, I would have missed out. I would have missed out on all of you. We would have missed out on all that God did in us. We would have missed out on all, you know, there's so many opportunities in my life that I could have gone out of ministry and just go and work an uh, engineering job, and I would have missed out. And I'm like, I have FOMO. I have a fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. I'm like, every now and again, I'm like, Lord, anywhere I should go, should I go to Brazil again? Jesus, is there a place I should visit on a missions trip? Because I want to be there when you're moving. I want to go when you say Because I know that's when I change, and that's when the kingdom comes. We are so thankful for all God has done. Don't miss out on all God is for you today. Don't miss out all that God is for you this week. Life is short. Life is short, so say the things you need to say. Love the people you need to love, and do it now. Don't be this afternoon, husbands or dads. Don't you know, be so distracted that you miss your kids or you miss your spouse. Life is short. Take hold of it. Anyway, it continues there. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you. It's ultimately he that works in us. It's not that you have to do this in your own ability. He works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So he works in you and he changes your desires, but you need to give him an opportunity. You need to spend time with him and you say, God, blank check. I'm open to whatever you want to do. You know, so for us as a church family, we, we started in, in, in Chauffeur Stellenbosch first church. And then as it grew and the students went out, then we started to plant churches and there's about 40 to 50 churches now. And so Dion Henning and Kuba came to East London to actually start a small group here, and, and they were sent out. But over the last few years, we haven't been planting churches. And so as a leadership team, we've been praying about it and talking about it like, okay, but we need to up it again. We need to start planting churches again because church planting is the best way to impact a community or a city. Plant a church, it's biblical, lives get changed, they become part of a community, and they keep on growing. So we've been praying about it and strategizing, like, how are we going to up our church planting? And so we had a pastor summit about a week ago or so in Cape Town, and uh, we're going to sort of now talk to the guys, so 50 plus pastors, we're going to talk to them about this church planting, and, uh, but I was like, in my, my mind, I'm thinking, how, how am I going to psych people up to go church planting? I don't know how to do it. I don't often talk about church planting. I'm like, let's let, let the kingdom come here <laughs> for now. But anyway, so we had the, 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 the summit and it was incredible. Before we have said anything, a bunch of the pastors came to us and some of the other church leaders and say, the Lord has spoken to them to go to India to plant churches and to be missionaries. I was like, no ways. That is Jesus, people. That is Jesus. When you go to India, you hear from Jesus, especially if you have a bunch of little kids as well. That is uncomfortable. And I was like, wow, God, you are moving. And it's like, now we talk to these pastors and they're like, then don't talk me out of it. The Lord has spoken. And they are so psyched. They want to go. I'm like, come on. But that's how it works. When the Lord, when the Lord speaks, when he imparts to you his will, it becomes your will. 
It's like, I want to do this or I will die. I have to do it, Lord. I must do it. He gives you his heart. But he won't tell you to do something that you don't want to do. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be blessed. So you have to obviously have to trust the Lord. I'm sure some of you are like, I'm not asking Jesus now. Will of God is the best place to be in the world. So about in 2008, when we came to East London, some of the Cape Tonians were like, they were living in Stellenbosch, and it's like beautiful. And, and they're like, oh, shame, man. You're going to East London. They felt so sorry for us. And then years later, they will ask us, how's it going in PE? No, East London. And I would often tell them, because they're still asking us, so how's it going in East London? Because they all think that Cape Town's the best place in the world. And I tell them, the will of God is the best place to be in the world. The will of God, whatever that is, whatever it is for you, it is the best place in the world to be. And I want to be in the will of God because I know then I get blessed. Then I am changed and transformed. So pursue the will of God. You see, unfortunately, we can at times be intentional. We're sitting like the Christian froggy on the thing, and I'm like, I'm jumping, but not now. (laughs) So you could say, Lord Jesus, I love you. You are my everything, and I'll do whatever you want, Lord, except go to India um, and even Ganubi. Lord, that's just too far. It's like, Lord, definitely, I'm not moving somewhere. I'm like, I'm not planting a church. I, I don't want to do a missions trip. And, and Lord, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to invite someone to church. That's just really awkward. You know, it's like on the one day we're like, Jesus! And then we're like, okay, but no, it's a bit awkward. You know, and, and to share with my work colleague, you know, what, what Jesus, what you're doing in my life. Oh, what if they upset Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Maybe they could also receive the gift of life like you've given to me, Lord, but it's just not me. I'm not an evangelist. I don't don't talk to people about Jesus. You know, that's just not me. It's not my personality, Lord. So, uh, but, but Jesus singing on Sundays, that's lovely. I'm jumping. I'm jumping. I'm not jumping. Oh, Lord, oh, man, I'm, I want to live for you. I want to do whatever you call me to do, Lord. But sure, and I, I know Ashlyn or someone contacted me about serving maybe at ushering or helping out. But whew, no, the next month, busy. Jesus, I have so many social commit, commitments. I am so busy. I, I probably can't even come to church. But Jesus, you're my everything. Ouch. That's awkward. <laughs> oh, Lord, no, no, I've got a good deal. I've got a good deal. Good, good, good deal. Jesus. I'm going to give extravagantly because I can't give you my time, but I'm going to give extravagantly. I'm like, look at my budget. Oh, I'm saving for my 75-inch flat screen TV. <laughs> oh, Jesus, up to 200 rand this month is all yours. <laughs> it's very quiet now. <laughs> okay, I'm overdoing it a little bit, but I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> trying to make a point. It's easy to say it. But the challenge is to do it and to be willing, whatever, Jesus, whatever, to remove the, I'm not willing that, 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 that. It's like Jesus blank check. I know, and this is where trust comes in. You need to believe that God is good and that he loves you. And whatever he asks of you, it's going to bless you and the kingdom of God's going to come. And so you must say, Jesus, whatever you want. And that's what I'm currently, it's like, Lord, blank check. (laughs) 
I'm yours, Jesus. Because I know when I'm yours and when my passion levels hit 110, 120%, the kingdom of God comes. Lives are changed. Amen. So stop the, oh Lord, I'll do it, accept that, and accept that, and accept that. Just, just, oh. Number one. Make Jesus number one. And then last thing, more fire. Number three, prioritize. Do it now. Don't be a, someone that just uh, says tomorrow or next week. That's you know, like when you start exercising. I'm going to start really committed to changing my diet and really committed to changing my exercising patterns. And I'm starting in January. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Romans 12, verse 11. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. I love that. Boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. It's like, Lord, you can't hold me back. I want to. I want to serve you. I want to be involved. I want to love others. I want to do it. I want to do the Word of God. So John Maxwell shares this. He listened to an inspirational talk of a successful businessman in 1974. The man spoke about do it now. And he said, before you get out of bed, every morning say, do it now, 50 times. Do it now. 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 And then at the end of the day, before you go to sleep, the last thing you should say is, do it now, 50 times. So John says he did that for about six months. And he said the urgency that it created in his life was do it now. And he started to do it now. He started to write books every day, every day. He says every day, 365 days a year, Christmas, birthdays, he writes. And he's written 70 plus books that's changing the world. Because he had an urgency, do it now. Oh, I'm going to write the book in five years. It's not going to happen. Do it now. Start now. Do it now. Come on, say do it now. Do it now. Okay, so this is my challenge to you. The application. What's the one thing you're going to change after this message today? What's the one thing? What's the one thing you're going to change? Or when you read the word of God tomorrow morning, you read your five verses. What's the one thing that needs to change? What's the one thing you need to pray back to the Lord? What's the one thing that you need to realign in your life? What if you and I, instead of just receiving a message, instead of just listening to a message or reading the Bible a little bit, what if we would take it one step further and say, Lord, what do I need to change today? Do it now. And say that 50 times a day in the morning and in the evening. Living out the fullness of Christ. Amen. (laughs) We're going to do it. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.